the the dead days between the combine and the draft are here but your favorite podcast the blue bloods are back with more content we are joined by pit expert nick cherry again to discuss pat narduzzi's comments on the transfer portal we also discuss whether the trend of players skipping bowl games will and should continue we then talk about whether jalen hurts's combine performance changed our minds on his potential in the nfl and we wrap it all up by discussing Joe Burrow's decision to skip the annual Maxwell Club Gala. So we have a lot to get to, so let's get it rolling. start with Pat Narduzzi's comments on the transfer portal. Pitt head coach Pat Narduzzi made headlines late last week when he called the NCAA transfer portal the ugly toilet portal when asked about his opinion on the trend of players transferring programs. Narduzzi went on to say that most players who transfer from Power 5 schools do not make it back to another Power 5 program. Narduzzi continued and said that players should have have options, but these options need to work out in the long run. Narduzzi is just the latest coach following Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn to speak out against the transfer portal. So I'll start with our pit expert, Nick. What is your opinion on Narduzzi's comments? Well, I want to temper that by saying that I'm probably not a pit expert, uh, but I I agree with him. I think that Narduzzi, did he use the best uh, choice of language with ugly toilet portal? Probably not, but I think that, and as we'll get into it a little bit, I think that there's a lot of good substantive stuff that he was talking about. I think it, uh, you know, he, he talks about the, you know, he says there's you know, 40 or 50 of them that, that go undrafted and should have stayed, that have, have credits, credits don't transfer. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, he wants the kids to, to be able to get the most out of their time there. I, I think it makes sense to me. They're here to, uh, to play football, not to play school. That's well, I'll, I'll counter that saying that. But so, I mean, to, to, to be fair, even like, Playing school is a stretch. I mean, to be fair, I mean, all of us have went to Power Five schools, um, and I think we all knew some athletes who took communication six times, and you know, it was the same well, class. I was a communication major, so back <laughs> off there. Well, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying, though. Like, that, that's just a, that, that's a weak argument, in my opinion. I don't. I mean, I get that education is important, but. Are we uh, are we really going to put the emphasis on that? I mean, I think we're really talking about football here, right? Well, I think that you know, you look at what what are these players? They're student athletes. They're students first. Whether or not the players think that, and whether or not the fans think that, one percent of one percent of the kids who play college football or play any sport go pro. You know, if you leave early in an effort to go pro and you don't end up going pro, you don't have that degree then you're kind of stuck. I mean, you just waste all that time. I think I, I, were his, I think his intentions were in a good place. Could he phrase it a little better? Yes. I, that's a headline for sure. But if you watch the whole interview, I think that a lot of what he said made, made sense. Yeah. And I mean, Narduzzi is not known for being the most articulate person in the world. I mean, to be fair, but I think he has a point because I think people are transferring for the wrong reasons too. I mean, Luke Ford is a aberration rather than, you know, a normal situation. Like, yeah, like that's a, really messed up situation he should have been able to play but 
Justin Fields and Tate Martell just because they couldn't start at the university that uh, they went uh, to. Be careful. Be careful about that. About Justin Fields. Okay, that's not the reason he transferred, and uh, everyone in the world it. knows we're not, it. We're not getting canceled. We're not doing this. Oh, thing. my gosh. Three, no, three white guys take on race relations. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> but, I mean, to me, the competition scares a lot of these players and hard discipline. I mean, Alabama has the most players in the country that transfer, and I, it's just not everyone's built for that program, even though they think they are. And everyone's looking for the past path of least resistance, and I think that's what Narduzzi's trying to get at, even though, he, like Nick said, he used probably – very questionable language. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's the ugly toilet portal, but it's definitely, you know, players that should be questioned depending on the reason to transfer. Right. I mean, you look at players like Blake Barnett from Alabama. I mean, you just mentioned Alabama. So, you know, obviously went from, oh, he's going to be a star quarterback at the University of Alabama to, oh, maybe he'll do okay at Arizona State. And now he went to South Florida and just – He's I mean, still trash at South really, Florida. Really bad. So, yeah, I understand that argument to a sense, but I think that Pat Narduzzi, more than anything right now, is he's like, why, why would he be concerned about their education? I get that that's like a social well, issue. But Pitt's the number but, one uh, ranked uh, public college in the Northeast oh, that's, by, that's, by the Wall Street Journal. They do take their awesome. academics seriously. Oh, sick. No, but Hell to pay. It, doesn't, it doesn't even matter about that, dude. It, the thing is, uh, he's not wanting to lose his players. I mean, he spends so much time recruiting. These players get basically one free transfer. I mean, that's a new proposed rule. He's going to fight against that. I mean, I can't argue with him. I think he's right in arguing against that. But, I mean, let's let's not play around. That's the reason he's making the statement. Well, I mean, I don't have any inside scoop with the team. You know, well, you're an I insider. I'm an insider. I don't, have, I don't have that much insight information. But I will say that uh, he – there have been players that transferred in and out. There were a couple this year. Um, Mikhail Salahuddin was one. He was a highly rated running back. He's not one that's going to stop people from transferring. Narduzzi's very old school Italian. If you want to be here, you're here. If you don't want to be here, you're. I don't want you here. Yeah. Um, I think that he he understands that you know his he values the the life after football. His life is football, but he wants the kids the the kids. They say like I'm that much older than them. He wants them to be ready for football for the the next step. Yeah, I mean. Okay, he's like the Jerry Rice of, of coaching football, right? He, he wants he, he wants to put that uh, that emphasis on education. I get that. That's fine. I mean, but I don't know. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that someone who coaches college football for a living is more focused on these players graduating than he is these players playing for him. We can't. We also can't just put words into his mouth. We don't know. No, but I also think there there may there may there may be something there with you know. Uh, look at Virginia Tech, all the players for Justin Fuente that, that put their, their names in the transfer portal. How are those players treated when they go back to a team? You know, they put their name in the transfer portal. Are they treated the same way they would, or is there a mistrust there? From it, the it, if I wasn't, if I was a coach, if you enter your name in the transfer portal, like that's it. I'm pulling scholarships. Like, you're yeah. gone. Like, I think that should be a mandatory thing. I mean, that uh, Scooby in, from Alabama, I forget his last name, but his name is Scooby. He's been in the transfer portal three times. Yeah, Scooby Doo. But he's been in the transfer portal three times and has withdrawn his name three times in the same offseason. I mean, that can't yeah. play well in the locker room at all. But yeah. you said not put words in Narduzzi's mouth. But let's talk about something he did say. He, he's, I thought it was weird that he said these options need to work out. What, what, what is his idea of? I mean, there's no surefire way that ensure a transfer destination will improve the player. Because I mean, Justin Fields. He probably is really glad that he went to Ohio State. I mean, they just went to the playoffs, won the Big Ten. And, but then you have players like Tate Martell that's transferred repeatedly. And I think we can all agree here that 
Tate Martell is not a starting quarterback anywhere in college football, unless you go to like D3, maybe. And that's a question mark. So I'm really interested to see what Narduzzi would think about what, 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 what would he do steps to ensure that players do work out more if they do transfer? So let's get him on the pod. Let's, I'll, I'll let's say get him so. Call him up. Yeah. You know, yeah, you know. I'll, I'll tweet at him. So okay. personally, I think they should have a third party. I think all players who are thinking about entering the transfer portal should have some type of unaffiliated counsel or guidance to kind of help their decision. Kind of like the draft advisory board. Or, that, or, or like, like arbitration, arbitration in baseball. Yeah. 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 I mean, because – Colleges are bi- <laughs> colleges are biased due to the fact that they don't want to lose the player, most likely. I mean, uh, most of the time the colleges aren't happy these players are leaving. The player is thinking emotionally and biased because they just want what's best for them, and they think they got screwed at the college that they're at. So I think out- outside mentorship can kind of help these players realize that, hey, maybe, you know, like Tate Martell transferring to Miami, outside counsel could have probably been like, hey, you're probably not going to go down there and start over Jaron Williams, who – was just put up a really good true freshman season. So I think something like that is needed. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. Um, I'm open to that. I mean, obviously, you know, they're going to come up to me and ask me my opinion on it, so I'll put it out there. Uh, no, but, yeah, I have that much pull in the NCAA. I wish I did. But, no, I mean, that, that's a good idea. Uh, I don't have any ideas to counter that, so that's probably yeah. why I'm saying it's such a good and, idea. And, I mean, I'm assuming Narduzzi doesn't like the new transfer rules since he said this after the new transfer rule about one free transfer just came out before oh, his yeah. comment. So he probably doesn't like that. But, I mean, I think an alternative that I'd be interested to see is if a coach leaves a program, are players allowed one free transfer because of that? I think that I would think be a good be solution. Yeah. I mean, because they didn't get recruited by a new coach. I mean, like you said, those Virginia Tech players, they didn't come to play for Justin Fuente, per se, when he first got there. They were there to play for Beamer, who was a college football legend. Same for Penn State when Paterno left. Even though James Franklin's done a hell of a job. I don't, I'm not comparing Justin Fuente and James Franklin. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm not a big Penn State guy, but I will say James Franklin's a heck of a recruiter. Justin Fuente, not nearly as much success. James Franklin, good at football. Other stuff, eh. Yeah, yeah. Like fifth on that one. Okay, D- debatable, but yeah, guys. So, um, so now we're gonna move to the topic of players skipping bowl games. Um, so since Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette started this trend to skip bowl games to prevent injury and focus on the NFL draft, many players have followed this, you know, trend in recent years. In 2018 and 2019, more than 30 college players have elected to skip their bowl game and prepare for the NFL draft. Many experts and fans have mixed emotions on this issue in college football. The trend seems to be growing in popularity among draft-eligible juniors and seniors, which has some experts worried that bowl season will be negatively affected by this. So, Brandon, I'll start with you here. Do you think this trend of skipping bowl games will keep growing, and do you support this idea of skipping bowl games? Yeah, so I I do think that it's a – I don't know. I don't know if it'll keep growing, but it will level out. I think. I think that right now the same percentage of players that uh, that are sitting out will continue to sit out. And yeah, I agree with it. You know, you don't want players going and injuring themselves in the gas grill bowl, right? I mean, they're about to go to the NFL and make millions of dollars. You're gonna put your. I mean, you're gonna put your career on the line to play in the Lending Tree Bowl. No, you're going to skip that game because that doesn't matter for anything. I mean, you're a junior, you're senior, you're about to. Uh, you're about to go to the NFL draft. Well, to be fair, to play devil's advocate, how many top first-round picks are playing in the Lending Tree Bowl from the two conferences that have that tie-in? Well, I suppose that's fair enough. But, I mean, let's talk about, like, what if – I mean, even if it's a New Year's Six Bowl, I mean, you're not in the playoff. 
What's the point of that? I mean, you can say I won this game. I That's mean, a slippery slope. New Year's Six Bowls have some pool. I mean, what kind of pool do they have? I mean, what, what's the end? You don't think Penn State fans and boosters in that team was proud that they yeah. won their New Year's Six Bowl well, this obviously, year? Obviously, they're proud of it. But, I mean, if if it's either, hey, you have the option to win the – I mean, you have the option to win the Cotton Bowl or you have the option to win – I mean, to, to make millions of dollars in the NFL, you know. That's assuming that you might get hurt. I mean, say that you're a player that's already been injured throughout the season. You're, you're just coming off of an injury toward the end of the season. You make it to this bowl game. Are you really going to risk re-injuring yourself to play? I mean, it, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer. I'm not. You know, I'm sitting out. I also think that as teams, we should – I'm kind of thankful for it, uh, too, because, I mean, first of all, if the players' their heads aren't going to be in it. I don't want them there. But secondly, those extra – I don't know exactly how many practices they get, but those extra practices for the bowl games, that allows the players that may not have gotten a rep, they get them the experience of practicing, the experience of the game, and then they're ready to go for the next year. And that can really help, you know, let's say you're starting in the Gasparilla Bowl, but you may move up to another bowl game and keep building. Now, if you're in the national title game, if Joe Burrow would have skipped the national title game, like, well, I'm going to be the first round or the first pick of the draft, I would have said, that's extreme. But, like, if you're playing in, you know, even a New Year's Six Bowl, I, I would be okay with the player skipping if they're going to be a top five pick and, you know, going to get millions of dollars. You can't fault somebody for looking out for themselves. Exactly. I mean, look out for your – I mean, look out for your future. Don't look out for, oh, yeah, well, in college, I won the Orange Bowl, you know. I mean, that's, to me, that's – it's a no-brainer, like I said. See, I think the trend's going to continue for sure. I, like you guys said, I think there's a lot of people – and, you know, but I hate this trend. I actually don't support it because really and truly there's only one example of, um, you know, and I think Nick is actually about to, about to might still hit Nick's thunder because I think we're thinking of the same player here. Jalen Smith out of Notre Dame tore his ACL in the Fiesta Bowl. Um, and he is the prime example of things go wrong. But to be fair, I mean, to head this off, he is making, what, over $100 million for the Dallas Cowboys right now, even though it happened. He dropped from probably a top-10 pick to a second-round pick. And I think that's – I mean, are we going to take one player that it happened to and just dictate everything? I mean, odds are you're not going to get injured in one game. The, the the odds are in your favor. Like, if you were a betting man, you would bet that you're probably not getting hurt. You're not. And the reason I have a problem with it is because – you take all this time to build up the program. You play all season to get here. There's, you have teammates, you have fans, coaches, everyone depending on you, and you're just going to abandon them for the last game because you want to go to the NFL. I think it's a weak move, to be completely honest with you. So I'm going to say, you know, I'm looking here, and this is Wikipedia, so I didn't read through the whole thing, but Jalen Smith signed a four-year, $6.49 million contract. That's not making hundreds of millions. That's not hundreds of millions of dollars. He was going to be a top, top pick. He's the best. He was the best linebacker. I haven't seen, and, and you know, I, I haven't seen someone as individually as good as him. Uh, I mean, Micah Parsons from Penn State comes pretty close. To, they're very similar. Yeah. Just you know where they are at all times on the field. But you know, I, you have to feel for Micah Parsons, who's going to be a top ten pick if he ought to, if he all of a sudden got tore his ACL and MCL and lost out on the tens of millions of dollars and only got six million. Now, if you're telling me, hey, I could get six million dollars in the next four years, I'm jumping at it. But I'm also not a great athlete, so. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, uh, I mean, Jay, we understand how good Jalen Smith is because um, Jalen Smith was on our all-decade team, I believe, in linebacker. I mean, a lot of people forget how good this kid really was. But 
I think if a player has injury history, like Brandon said, I think it might be different. But if you're a player who never been injured, I mean, look at what happened with Auburn this year. Now that ball where Derek Brown was supposed to be a top 10 pick, he played. Marlon Davidson, first round pick, he played. I think uh, I think it shows that they wanted to be with their teammates and actually play. And I think even if LSU didn't make the title game, I don't think I, I don't think Joe Burrow would have skipped any game because he loved that team and he understood what LSU's done for him it for his career. And so I, I, I mean, everyone just wants to make it out to seem like these colleges are taking advantage of these kids and that they don't owe anything to the colleges when I don't think that's necessarily true. Let me ask you your uh, thoughts on, on this situation. So uh, the Leonard Fournette situation at LSU was, I mean, it's obviously a unique one where he wasn't really the one making that decision. He was kind of coerced into it by coach Ed Orgeron, right? So what, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean, your only argument right now, it sounds like, you're giving up on your team, but what if your head coach is saying, hey, sit out, you're going to be a top 10 draft pick? Well, that's, I mean, that, I feel like that would be a different move. I mean, if your coach is telling you to sit out, then like that would be completely different. But I mean, the Leonard Fournette, I mean, can you name another situation outside of Leonard Fournette that the coach was like, I would really appreciate my best player not to play? No, I mean, I don't know a, sp- a specific instance because this was kind of like breaking. This was yeah, like groundbreaking that, like, when it came was. out. And it's still kind of groundbreaking, but no, but I'm sure it's probably happened in the past. I think that coaches are looking out for the best interests of their players as well. I mean, yeah, they should be personally, but at the same time, I still think that, I don't know, if there's a player, if I'm torn between two players in the draft and they're both pretty equally talented and one played the bowl game and one skipped it, I think that would show enough that that, guy, that one guy was a better competitor, so therefore I'm taking him. Yeah. I also think it depends on the position, too. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that, too. With, with, with running backs, they're getting hit every play. Yeah. The quarterback, if, if you have a decent enough line, hopefully <laughs> yeah. not. Like, if, if you play for the Bengals, probably getting murdered. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, I, I agree uh, with that. Yeah, that. I mean, who knows? I mean, I think offensive line is an interesting one, too, because, I mean, you get hit every play, and I think you do have a lot of knee injuries, mm-hmm. and you can get stepped on one way or the other. But also, I, I mean – I, it really depends on your draft stock, too. I mean, yeah, do you just want to be a first-round pick, or do you want to show that you deserve to be a top-ten pick? Because there are, like, players who, like Will Greer set out last year, and no one even thought he was going to be a second or first-round. I mean, he was just a middle-of-the-round draft guy, and he was like, I'm going to sit out and prepare for the draft. It's like, you probably need that film. I don't know, man. If I if I were playing for West Virginia, I'd probably sit out, too. That just That's only a straight-up bad time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, West Virginia, uh, I mean, we saw what happened this year. So I guess Will Groove was doing something there. But I, I think it depends on Dana the. Dana Holgerson was doing something. <laughs> That's brushing his hair over. Yeah. <laughs> good, great. Good, good hair guy. Oh, great hair. Yeah. Top 10 hair? Uh, let's do it. Snake draft? I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think this is going to step in eventually. I don't think they should, but I think they're going to. Yeah, I mean, I, they always overstep their boundaries, so why not go ahead and insert themselves here? You know, I I don't know, I don't know how they would step in. Though. I mean, you're gonna force kids at that point to play? Maybe I don't you're know. gonna build it into the national letter of intent. Well, I, well it, I think it is in your letter of intent, really, that you're going to play every game. It's just kind of one of those things to overlook, right? Uh, I don't know what the national letter of intent yeah. entails, but yeah, I mean, maybe, I, maybe you should read more. I, I think. I mean, personally, I think it should be like a contract. I mean, I feel like I think it is. A, I think that's literally what it is. It's yeah, a I mean, it is a contract, but I mean, I think it should make the player think harder. I mean, I I just don't understand why you give four years of your whole life to build up a program. You got one last game with all your teammates, all the other graduating seniors. You're just like, I'm going to be out. 
I'm just, I'm, I'll be on the sidelines. And then some of them don't even go to the game. I think that's even weaker. Right. Yeah, that's, that, there's no reason they shouldn't go to the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of an embarrassment factor. I mean, if you see your team, like, what, like, how bad do you think they feel if a player, if they go out and lose the bowl game, and it's because like they had to start a true freshman running back, and the running back set out? Like, if Leonard Fournette cost LSU the game, do you think he would have cared at all? Nah, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not Leonard Fournette, but (laughs) I don't know. I think it. I think it builds something. But um, so we'll move on to another pretty controversial topic. Me and Brandon have kind of highlighted. On this, so it'd be interesting to see how Nick feels about this. Um, so we're going to talk Jalen Hurts' future as a quarterback. Um, there's always a, a controversial prospect in every quarterback draft class, going all the way back to 2010 when Tebow had scouts torn, and even as recently as Lamar Jackson 2018 when Bill Polian shocked the world and said that he couldn't play quarterback and he just won MVP. Um, Jalen Hurts is that prospect that no one could seem to agree on this year, and it's because of this vast inconsistency throughout his career. Um, to call Hurts' career unusual is an understatement. Hurts led the Crimson Tide to a national championship, and but then was benched for Tua Tagovailoa um, when Tua came in and beat Georgia in the national championship. Uh, he spent a year as Tua's backup his junior year, but then famously came back and led the SEC championship comeback over Georgia. And then Hurts transferred to Oklahoma, which he led the Sooners to the playoff before they got demolished by LSU. But he threw for over 3,800 yards. Hurts seems to have the intangibles to be successful, but many scouts question his accuracy and throwing ability at the next level. Nick, I'll start with you here. Do you think Hurts has a future in the NFL as a quarterback? And where do you think his ceiling is? Uh, Yeah, I think he's a quarterback in the NFL. Um, I don't know exactly where his ceiling is. I'm not great with projection, projections for things, but I definitely think to say that he has no future as a quarterback without seeing him at least play against those people. Jalen Hurts is a winner. I mean, he's won. Obviously, it's easy to win at Alabama and Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> but true. to even be the starting quarterback for those schools, I mean, you know, when they can get really anybody in the country they want, I think he has a, he has a very real chance to be a, a good quarterback. I mean, they tell people all the time, oh, he's too mobile. He's not accurate. But the game's changing. I think there's going to be a team that's going to be willing to take a flyer on him, maybe develop him, uh, maybe play him right away. I don't know, but I think he's a quarterback. Yeah, I think that he'll look as much as much uh, flack as I give Jalen Hurts about not being a quarterback. I think that he has it in his mind that he's going to be a quarterback, and so like he's not going to budge. You know, if the team's like, "Hey, we'll draft you, but we want you to work out as a wide receiver," he probably won't work out with that team, right? At least I don't think so. I mean, it, it, I think he said the combine that he is a only talking quarterback. So like he, he's just that he's like committing completely to it. So I mean, is the question: Do I think that he's going to go in as another position? No. Do I think he's going to work out as a quarterback in the NFL? Like, do I think that he's going to be a starting quarterback one day? Also, no. I mean, I just, I mean, I can't, I can't see it. I, I could see him in like a backup role, maybe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like Luke McCown, right? Like career backup. I mean, he could be one of those, but I don't know. I don't. I don't really see him as a team's first option. And you know, we're probably going to replay this clip in a few years whenever he's the starting quarterback in the Super Bowl or whatever, because like Nick said, he is a winner. Um, but I, I just I, I can't see it. 
I mean, well, it's funny you said that because the NFL grade on him is a good backup with with maybe starting potential. So exactly what you said there. But, yeah, I'm a genius. <laughs> but, I mean, I think his biggest weakness that we all can speak on is his accuracy. I mean, in 2017, he got benched for Tua because he was like two for 15 going into halftime of that game. Not and, great. and you were at the Senior Bowl this year and talked on how inconsistent he was. And, I mean – I think the Senior Bowl was the perfect example. I mean, he was 6 for 13 for only 58 yards. He had a touchdown late, but it was against the people who probably aren't going to be drafted anyway. It was late in the fourth quarter. And at halftime, he was like 2 for 6 for like 15 yards. I mean, that's not going to do it. And his compound performance was great. I'll give you guys that. His compound performance was fine. He was fast. He was accurate. But it's real easy to be accurate in a dome on turf with no pressure, throwing to the top receivers in the – in the draft. So that's a Jake from. <laughs> that's true. That's another debate for another episode because I have strong feelings on Jake from. But I think the thing that sticks out to me about Hertz is that he has all these questions. But if you list the wide receivers in the offenses that he played in, he had all the, all the, I guess, parts to be successful. I mean, if you're talking about just the list of receivers he played with, he had Jerry Judy, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith. All in Alabama, all of those people, all those wide receivers can be in the NFL, and two of them are going to be first round picks this year. Then you go to Oklahoma, and you've got C.D. Lamb, which people, the last mock draft I've looked at, had him going eighth. So if yeah. he can't do this in the offenses that he played in in college, and with the talent he had around him, I mean, does that that doesn't make me have high expectations for him? Plus, Lincoln Riley is not coming with him to the NFL. Yeah, and another thing that I think that we're kind of skipping over here is that. Can you really see Jalen Hurts in a pro-style offense? No. I mean, his entire college career, he worked in the gun. He would have to work in, like, a West Coast or a spread offense in the NFL, which is becoming more and more prevalent. So it's not impossible, but he's going to have to be flexible. I just don't see him in a pro-style offense, and that's – I mean, I don't see him in one period. So that's going to work against him for sure. You ready for a hot take? No. Jalen Hurts can have a better NFL career than Tua. Well, you know, that's not really a hot take to me. I, I never really – I don't know. I, well, considering where they're going to be drafted. That's a hot take. Okay. That's a hot <laughs> take. I don't think he's going to be the next uh, Lamar Jackson by any stretch, but I think he has a lot of potential. Yeah. I mean, people counted out Lamar Jackson as a quarterback too, and look at what he put up. Are you so, framing it as he's going to fall to a better team, so therefore he'll have better I talent think, around him? I think that there's going to be a team that recognizes his potential. They recognize that they're willing to you know, change to fit his style if need be. Um, I think the days of the just drop back and go quarterback are, are kind of fading. Now, if you're if you're telling me, you know, I can have one of those, if you tell me I can have a Trevor Lawrence right off the bat, I'll take him. But I think that there's going to be a place for Jalen Hurts in the NFL. Let's not forget, Trevor Lawrence got some legs. We saw him outrun yeah. the entire Ohio State defense. I, I was tripping on that play because I did not even know he could run. Well, he just He's like a gazelle. He's long, yeah, he, long he's, he's 10 yards at a time. Yeah. So I'm going to put y'all both on the spot. Um I need a pro comparison for Jalen Hurts. And what team do you think would best suit his talents? Julian Edelman. Um, oh, yeah. Quarterback, no. quarterback in college, wide receiver in the NFL. Oh, no. That's, I mean, I don't really know what team. Maybe Julian the, Edelman. I don't really know who could work with him, but uh, I, I'm messing around. Um, uh, I, really don't, I really don't know who I would uh, – comparisons are kind of easy. I, think, I could see him as like uh, – well, I said it's easy. Maybe like uh, – I'm going to let someone else take the meal. I think Zach, right, I'll go ahead. go ahead and go since I put you guys both on the spot. Um, 
I, I think uh, I'm with Nick. I think a positive is he's going to fall to a team with a great structure. And I'm looking at a team like the 49ers or the Ravens. Um, I think the 49ers offense under Kyle Shanahan would be perfect for him. They would they would allow him to be more mobile than, you know, an average, you know, Patriots offense or something like that. And they have weapons around him that they can build around. Um, and I think the Ravens, just because they have an offense that he would be perfect in. I mean, you see that offense with RG3, Lamar Jackson. I mean, let's go ahead and add Jalen Hurts. And I mean, we're not, I don't think any of us in here think that Jalen Hurts is ready to come in and start immediately. So if you sit him behind Lamar and RG3 and let him learn, and he could be a great trade piece down the road. But I think those teams would fit him best. But do I realistically see him going to either of these two teams? Maybe the 49ers, since, you know, they got the whole Jimmy G, Tom Brady, you know, stuff going on. So they will need a backup eventually. But I think the Ravens are a stretch. But my pro comparison, it's going to be cliche, but I really do think it's Tim Tebow. Uh, I, I, I think his I think his throwing motion is not good enough. Just like Tim Tebow, I think T- Tim Tebow came out of college a winner. Everyone thinks Jalen Hurts is a winner. Everyone loves Tim Tebow's attitude. Everyone loves Jalen Hurts' attitude. They're both athletes. I think they're going to both be coaches, TV broadcasters later in their career. But I don't see Tim Tebow's downfall was that he wanted to play quarterback so bad that he would rather fight to the death for that, and then get kicked off the pro baseball, I don't think Jalen Hurts will make that mistake. Uh, I, I, man, it, it's just going to be tough. Um, I still don't know pro comparison. I'm going to stick with Julian Edelman. That, that's mine. I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, Julian Edelman ran like a four, five, or six in the uh, when he ran the 40, and that's what Jalen Hurts ran. Right. I mean, I think Jalen same Hurts guy. Jalen Hurts is a little bit taller than him, so that's I think that's a positive. Yeah, no, Jalen Hurts won't be a slot. He'll be he'll be like in he'll, he'll be he'll be on the outside. But um, can you imagine Jalen Hurts on the Patriots? If Tom Brady goes and like comes back and wins a Super Bowl, throwing to Jalen Hurts, I'm gonna lose it. Yeah, well, Tom Brady could throw to us. And that's true. That's, that's fair Bowl. enough. We'll, 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 that'll be. Uh, we heard the last episode on how I feel about Tom Brady, Joe Burrow comparisons. So we'll let that stand there. Yeah. What what team do you think Hurts is gonna go to? Team, do I think Hurts is going to go or to? should go to? Where where do I think he's going to work well? Yeah, um, I could see a team like the Ravens, like Zach said. I don't want to use that as like my cop out though. Uh, let's let's put it with the Titans. I think the Titans are building something around. I think they need a quarterback. Maybe he. Maybe I think honestly, if he got drafted by the Titans, I think he'd be their quarterback. Who else are they going to play? Ryan Tannehill. Well, apparently they're like the top uh, team for Tom Brady right now. If he leaves the Patriots. Because Mike Frabel's the head coach, and so Frabel and Brady were teammates. Yeah. But I guess it's not hard just to turn around and hand it off to Derrick Henry but do you every see where, play. Do you see where I'm going with that? I mean, they tried yeah. to do the same thing with Marcus Mariota, and obviously that didn't really work. No. I think that if you put Jalen Hurts in that system, he might have a chance to succeed. You know, the interesting thing, he's not as big as Tannehill, but Tannehill and him had similar things coming out of college. I mean – Tannehill was kind of a rough prospect because people forget Tannehill played wide receiver at Texas A&M. Yeah. And so I think, but, but Tannehill's a lot bigger than Hurts, but I think that's a pretty decent comparison. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, Dak Prescott. I oh, I like that. I like that. I was that close. I think, I think that there's, there's some comparisons there. Um, Obviously, I mean, just as the average fan, I didn't know Dak Prescott really when he was coming out. Like, I yeah. maybe had heard the name, but 
Um, and then just because uh, I just looked at the the standings and just some teams that I think could use to shake it up. Maybe the Buccaneers. Maybe they're getting sick of Jameis Winston. <laughs> they are. Um, yeah, Bruce Arians has been very. And then just because I think it's it'd be funny either either the Broncos or the Colts. I think I don't I mean. I don't think either one of those teams have. People sleep on how good of a destination the Colts are right now. They have yeah. the best offensive line in NFL football, except for maybe the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are paying outrageous numbers. All the Colts were drafted by yep. the Colts, and they have T.Y. Hilton, and they have um, um, blanking on the running back's name. That running back is a stud. Marlon Mack, yep. he's a stud. I think they have a good system. They have an owner that will pay. They have a dome. Domes are great for quarterbacks. So I think the Colts – I think, yeah, I think most quarterbacks in the draft, if they fell to the Colts, would be extremely happy. I mean, they want to win. And, and, you know, I think they're one of those teams that they're young, they're ready to change. I think that adapting, you know, there are going to be inevitably some teams that try to capture what, you know, the the, uh, Ravens were able to do last year. You know, every time a team comes up with success, they go, they're the teams that are at the basement, and they go, we have to copy that. And some do it really well, and some do it poorly. Whether Jalen falls to a team that does it well or poorly, we'll have to find out. If he falls to the Panthers, do you think Joe Brady could turn him into something special? Joe Brady can turn anybody into whatever he wants. Yeah. So, okay. I think, so. I think that'd be an underrated thing. I mean, we did talk about, you know, last time about uh, Jordan Love falling to the Panthers, which I think that's more likely since the Panthers have a top 10 pick. But if they skip on Jordan Love early, I mean, Jalen Hurts probably will be sitting there. What I would say, he's at least got to go third, fourth round, right? Unless a team just shocks the world, because Tim Tebow did get drafted first round, and so did Johnny Manziel. That's a fact. That I mean, maybe well, the Johnny Brown. Manziel did get drafted first round, right? Yeah, they, they both the did. Last pick, yeah. yeah, the yeah. Broncos traded up for Tebow. Manziel and so is did. terrible. Yeah, but we're not comparing Jalen Hurts to Johnny Manziel. Guys. <laughs> no, so do not no. quote any of us on that. Johnny Manziel is is not. Zach. Yeah, you know what? Just quote Brandon. Brandon is the one. Who thinks Johnny Manziel is Jalen Hurts? But we'll move on to our last topic. Um, so we're going to talk about Joe Burrow skipping the annual Maxwell Club Gala. Uh, Joe Burrow is making history again, but this time it's not for a good reason. Uh, Burrow has decided not to attend the annual Maxwell Club Gala, which makes him the first player to win the Maxwell Award and to skip the event in the 83-year history of this event. Uh, to make the situation even worse, Maxwell representatives were assured about a month ago that Burrow would be in attendance, but that changed about a week ago. Um, Maxwell representatives tried to contact Burrow before the announcement, but could not get a hold of Burrow, his representatives, or an LSU spokesperson. Multiple previous Maxwell Award winners tried to reach Burrow, but the Heisman winner would not return their calls. Brandon, since you will most likely be the most biased, I will start with you. Um... So, does this raise any red flags? What do you make of the situation, and should Burrow have attended? I've only got one thing to say. Uh, who? And I have one thing to say. Cares. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, we're on the same wavelength here, by the way. Um, but, no, dude, really, who cares? I mean, it's the Maxwell Trophy Award. He already picked up all his other awards. He got the Heisman Trophy. That's all that matters. And so, who cares if he doesn't go to – first of all, why is this – award ceremony just in the middle of of combine season can anyone I mean, combine that? season's over okay well it happened like the day after so no, this gala still has not happened yet oh whatever so they're just out of school there's people are graduated there's like come on back yeah i mean he he's been graduated since december this isn't know? at lsu though this it doesn't is, matter this is like a national thing oh, i know what it is can, can you list, <laughs> can you list the last five Maxwell yeah name award them without, winners? Looking, without looking without looking it, 
the Maxwell winner is usually the Hosman winner. So I'm usually, no, no, usually. no, you have to name them. So we had Joe Burrow this year. Uh, I'm assuming what Kyler Murray won it last year. I don't know. I'm looking See, it no up. one, no one cares about <laughs> the Maxwell Award. The only time you ever care about the Maxwell Award is when you, you're playing NCAA football on like the Xbox or PlayStation and you win that, but don't win the Heisman. Hey, I got the Maxwell. No, he didn't win last year. Two hundred one. Two hundred one last year. Two hundred one. Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Derrick Henry. That, so, should, that should say something that Baker Mayfield went and Joe Burrow didn't. Who cares? There's a lot that's of things that Baker Mayfield did that Joe Burrow shouldn't do. So he, I don't, That's a good point. <laughs> he shouldn't because, I mean, um, it's it's the only reason this looks bad is because of the way it was handled, I think. I mean, the fact that he's ignoring calls from the committee and his pay, him and his parents told them he was coming and then uh, stopped answering. He didn't. His parents did. Are we just assuming Joe Burrow doesn't talk to his parents? It's his parents. Oh, you don't would, know that family dynamic. That's true. Yeah. But, but well, no, we do because it was a whole ESPN special about how close him and his dad was. Oh, no. His mean, dad's pretty much his like personal trainer slash coach. Yeah, he was college coach forever. Yeah, so therefore we know they talk. So they didn't just say we're going for no reason. Oh, it's oh, <laughs> so stupid. It, why are we? I mean, look, I'm going to be the first one to call out any show that just talks about filler. This is filler to me. I mean, this is our show. This is filler, Zach. This is ridiculous. How is this filler? This uh, it's the first time this in eighty. Top. The first time in eighty-three years that someone missed, and it's going to be Joe Burrow. He's the first LSU player to win it. Who, Who cares? Oh it, man, it's not even. I mean, it it his his mantle's probably full. He doesn't he doesn't have anywhere to put the Maxwell Award. Um, What's the Maxwell Award look like? Isn't it like a silver thing? No, dude, it, it's supposed to be silver. I think it's like I think it's like tarnished though. Check this out, it's green. That's weird, right? That's just, that just looks like this is it, like rusted. It's weird. This is bad radio, but it looks like the Statue of Liberty looks like it's green. Yeah, that's not good. No, it's not good. And like they but make a new one every year. You might as well so. just have the French people give us that because no one cares about that award. Who's who's it named after, Zach? It's it's Maxwell, but who is it? Do you know who it is? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No one cares. No one cares about this award. I bet you know who the Heisman Award, uh, the Heisman Trophy is named after. Well, to be fair, I mean, he did coach at Auburn. It doesn't matter. Everyone knows. <laughs> so it's it, – I bet you there's a majority of college football fans who don't know his, John Heisman's name. I was going to say John Heisman just because I, that's yeah. a good first name. Yeah, I, I would bet I, I would bet over 40% of college football fans did not know John – But they know man. the Heisman Trophy. If you said the well, Maxwell clearly. Award, that could be for like uh, – the average fans like, oh, that's for writing? I don't know. That's not true. Every like I would say most fans know about the Maxwell most. Most. Who do you think most? Zach, well, Zach, we can put a poll out. We can put a poll out and say who knows the Maxwell. Well, now they're going to know because yeah. everyone listens to all. Yeah, of I'll, I'll put it out going. before this episode even is. We're recording over the weekend. We got two days to put a poll out. Do you know what the Maxwell Award is for? Yes or no? And put but it in how the do comments. you know? Yeah. Well, that is that's not a really good poll because people could just lie. They could just say we, yeah. we could just put two You're options. To impress us. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know, man. I, I, I just think the ghosting was the weirdest thing. And then that he's not answering. It was a pre- little weird, but who cares about the Maxwell and, Award? And, and previous award winners reaching out. I mean, the award winners are. I'm, the who new, are the award winners they, that reached it out? It was unnamed award winners. <laughs> you exactly. Don't know you don't know them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I know it probably wasn't Baker. Baker probably is like, I'm out. I don't even care. He's doing more commercials for what was it, Progressive, where he has like 30 something commercials. Is what they said. They said they they filmed almost thirty commercials over the off season. I don't know, man. I I think I I think Brandis is throwing this off because he's an LSU fan. Whatever. And so now they're gonna have to build a statue with the really really small hands and a cell phone that has a bunch of left messages. 
have you ever seen the the Oscars when people win Oscars and they have someone to accept the award on their behalf? That's okay. Well, that's a trend now. But for 83 years, the person has come to Gallup. So Joe Burrow's a trendsetter, man. Send Coach O. They would have loved to see Coach O. I would pay to go see Coach O. I don't know about you guys. Hey, where does it? Where does the? Uh, where does the Maxwell Award happen? I, I have no idea. <laughs> Let's play a game. Atlantic City. Do you know where the oh, Heisman Awards yeah. happen? New York. Exactly. Right <laughs> off the dome. Oh man, if you're having to tra- if you're having to go from New York to New Jersey for this, I get that. You don't want to go to New Jersey. That's fine. Do we know where Joe Burrow is training? Is it New Jersey? I don't know. I, I, I was it's asking probably, you. Probably, he, he would know that before he'd know yeah, where the Maxwell Award was. probably Ohio, if I had to guess, or California. Well, I guess he's not really training now. To become, well, LSU's Pro Day was this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's done. Well, I, I don't think Joe Burrow would have performed at the Pro Day in the first place, but. Uh, let's um, play a game real quick, Zach. We're going to play, uh, did this player win the Maxwell Award? Since you oh think it's so God. important. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with TJ Yeldon. TJ Yeldon? Did he win it? Probably not. No, he didn't. Did AJ McCarron win it? I would hope not. He did. AJ yeah. McCarron. Yeah, so, 2013. Yeah. 2013. AJ McCarron won it, dude. That's not important. The same year that Brent Musburger talked about his girlfriend all on <laughs> national TV. Yes. Sorry, oh, Brent. Man. We're big fans. Come on the pod. <laughs> uh, Eli Manning. May no. Probably. Yes, he did. Stop. Okay. Who cares? All right, Zach, another quick oh game. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna I'm gonna say an award. I want you to tell me what that award is for. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, what's the roasted. What's the Manning award? Uh, You're getting roasted right now, yeah. Zach. How it's not feel? It's not for the best quarterback because that's the Davy O'Brien. It's, it's the national quarterback of the year. <laughs> How are you gonna have what's, three right. quarterback awards in like exactly? One they don't matter. Uh, <laughs> tell me what what's the Ray guy? Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. yeah. He's a, did Joe Burrow win that? I would hope not. No. I think he, well, he did like he, he didn't show up to that award ceremony. I'm say he he poops punt once. I think of the games I saw. All right. What about Walter Camp? That's just oh god. I wow. Know this one. Wow. Yeah. Zach's the big college football guy here. It's a player of yeah. the year. Yeah. Three player of the year awards. Sorry, he skipped one. Two or three. That's sixty percent. That's better than most people. So to cap this segment off, I have one more thing to say. Who cares? Okay. Man, guys. So. Yeah, so Joe Burrow um, going to be the next Baker Mayfield um, coming out with the arrogance. Um, I don't want to go to Atlantic City. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean Atlantic City for Joe Burrow would be fun. I mean maybe LSU will. What did they did they get like a private jet for the Hospital ceremony? Nah, dude, maybe. <laughs> I, I feel <laughs> like they did because they posted about it. But yeah, guys, so this is a wrap on this episode. We thank Nick for coming on and joining us on the podcast. He will be on probably most of the season. Because, well, I don't know. Uh, he'll definitely go for Pitt UNC. Because that will be definitely a game we're going to have to it's gonna cover. Be, it's going to be mean to you the whole time. Yeah, that's fine. Because <laughs> uh, I'm be the I, last I, segment I, over I'm, and over. <laughs> I'm already picking UNC in that game. Oh. Um, it's all good. I mean, we, we just talked about this. UNC is undefeated until they play Clemson. You are also high on UNC. But I'm I don't not, know I'm why not, you're I'm playing. Not, I'm not undefeated high on UNC. Oh, my God. They're going to lose to Clemson for sure. Clemson's definitely not losing a game in the ACC again. But, yeah, so we'll be back later this week with another episode. Uh, social media, at the underscore Blue Bloods on Instagram, at the Blue Bloods pod on Facebook, at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods um, on, on uh, Twitter. Um, but, yeah, new websites out. We've already talked about that. It's links in all the bio on all the social medias. It is thebluebloodspod.com. 
all the content still on there. New content coming soon. Links to everywhere you can find the podcast are there. Uh, keep uh, talking about the positional rankings we've been releasing. We're all the way at interior linemen now. Oh, yeah. So um, as this episode is coming out, we'll be doing tight ends, I believe. So I don't even know if there's five draft eligible tight ends, to be completely honest with you guys. But we'll be back soon. But for right now, we out. Thank you.